Welcome to NCFM Today, a podcast about family medicine in the Old North State. I'm your host, Greg Griggs. This month, we're talking to Morgan Carnes, a fourth-year medical student at Wake Forest University School of Medicine and the medical student on the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians Board of Directors. Morgan will be entering a family medicine residency program later this year and is currently completing a policy and leadership elective with the NCFP. Morgan, welcome to our show. Thanks, Greg. Glad to be here. So, first of all, Morgan, tell us why did you get interested in family medicine? That's a great question. And I feel like to answer it fully, I kind of have to go back a little ways back to when I was growing up, because um, I wasn't one of those one of those people that knew from when I was a little girl that I wanted to be a doctor or anything. Uh, but I did really enjoy kind of science and math and grew up as a competitive dancer. And so I was really interested in just health and wellness in general and ended up going to college out in California at Occidental and studied kinesiology. I was also on the dance team there and just started to realize that a career in some sort of health profession was going to be my kind of ideal career path right out of undergrad. And I decided to apply to medical school. Uh, after kind of dabbling in physical therapy and occupational therapy and eventually decided on medical school. And I actually didn't get in the first time that I applied, which at the time was a really uh, big disappointment, as you can probably imagine. Uh, But I still to this day say that it is the best thing that happened because I got to move to Chicago and work for a startup company that was uh, really bringing healthcare to the healthcare deserts of the Midwest and got to see what a value-based care system looks like and worked in population health and worked as a scribe. And I also explored some of the other areas of health, including starting my own health coaching practice. I became a yoga instructor. I taught bar classes. My friends joke and they say, I literally did everything except become a doctor. (laughs) Um, So in doing all of that, I kind of, back at the beginning of all that, thought I would do something along the lines of cardiology, but then working in primary care for three years, and it was mainly geriatric patients, they just, they won my heart over. And I just knew that incorporating all of this other kind of lifestyle medicine, nutrition, wellness, everything really tied in beautifully with family medicine. But I didn't totally understand that it was family medicine until I got to med school And I I had this great description of what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted long-term relationships with patients. Continuity of care was absolutely important. Uh, And I definitely wanted to be in the outpatient setting. Uh, Did not want to be in the hospital long-term. And so I went to a family medicine interest group meeting uh, right, right at the beginning of med school. And it was, what is the difference between family medicine, internal medicine, and med peds was the talk. And I left that meeting just absolutely on fire. I was so excited. I'd figured it out. This thing that I wanted to do had a name and it was family medicine. And I actually thought back to some conversations I had with physicians at the company I worked with in Chicago who did family medicine. And all of a sudden, all these conversations started coming to mind about how they remember in their training, it was very much based on community-based medicine and really using the community resources to optimize their ability to help patients. And I hadn't thought about those conversations in a long time, but it all really just came together. 
that's my really long way of saying I, I love family medicine. And I, uh, yeah, I was one of those people that started at the beginning of med school knowing I wanted to do it. And lots of people tried to change my mind and well, it didn't work. <laughs> we're, we're glad they didn't change your mind. And I think you really hit the nail on the head about why I think family medicine is so important to the future of our country, to the future of healthcare. It really is a specialty that's focused on populations. It's focused on long-term relationships. It's focused on uh, a breadth of care. It is focused on prevention and wellness and, and health. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm more excited about where the field of family medicine is going now than the 15 years I've been at the academy because I see things slowly really starting to happen like the healthy opportunity pilots in North Carolina with Medicaid, that they're really integrating nutrition and healthy food into those pilots and, and social determinants of health and really getting to let's keep people healthy. Uh, it's great to have that cardiologist if we really need them, but it's even better if we don't have to have somebody who's putting a stent in. And so uh, I really, really uh, appreciate your description and your journey there. Uh, let's really go a little bit further and talk about, you know, you're doing a advocacy and policy uh, leadership rotation right now. You know, what, why do you think that's important? And, and as you've done your family medicine journal journey, you know, I knew you were very interested in nutrition and wellness, uh, but what about policy and advocacy? What made you think this is something to look look at? Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember the first time I ever even thought about physicians or med students getting involved with policy and advocacy was actually when you came to Wake Forest. Um, I, I don't know if it was in my first year or my second year. And you did a talk on, uh, you know, what does policy look like for physicians? Uh, and I, that was really the first time it opened my eyes to what it even looks like for a healthcare professional to really be leading the change. And from what I had experienced working in Chicago and seeing the, you know, really dire need of a lot of patients that there's only so much that we can do as healthcare professionals to really bridge the gap between what our patients need and what they're able to get. And so the policy side of things is where I realized that, you know, in the patient room, we can be an advocate for our patient in terms of what they need, but it only goes so far. And to really make a bigger difference, it's we have to work at the population level. And so that's really where my ears started perking up. And I wasn't all that excited to like go down to the Capitol and like talk to people that supposedly did these government things all day long. Like that was just a world I had no experience with. And so that part I, I wasn't super excited about, but that talk really got me thinking about what are other ways that I can get involved with advocacy and helping patients on a larger scale. And what has been really exciting, um, and especially in the last you know several months and years, is that the health policy and advocacy has kind of come out of you know being at the Capitol building and talking to policymakers directly. It's really about working as a team with all of the people who are involved in healthcare, whether it's the health plans and insurance and Medicaid and just all sorts of people that I honestly didn't know existed. <laughs> I mean, I knew that these companies had 
hopefully had someone that went to medical school at some point in their leadership, but getting to realize how much more of an impact we can make with some of these companies um, and that it doesn't all have to be, you know, going down and talking to lobbyists and cold calling people like that was just not something I was interested in. But I really learned that, you know, policy and advocacy means a lot more than that. It, it really does. And that's a great segue to a point I always like to make. And it's, you know, policy starts at the individual and at the community level. And, uh, you know, I like to give examples of, uh, you know, if your diabetic patients don't have a safe place to get exercise or it's a, a food desert, it's very hard to help them. And so then, you know, you can advocate at a local planning board to make sure there are uh, sidewalks in, in a new neighborhood that's being developed just so it's a more walkable community and gives your gives that community a chance to be healthier and a chance to work on those healthy ap, uh, activities. So uh, I'm glad you see that big picture and that big connection. And it, it, you know, it also makes me think about, you know, some of the things you've been doing on this rotation. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you know, you, you've mentioned insurers, you've mentioned Medicaid, you know, uh, how have you been tying all that together while you're uh, working with the Academy this month? It has really been a great month. It is a very different style of learning. And, you know, the first few days it took an adjustment that I wasn't in the clinic or in the hospital 12 hours a day, just kind of running around doing what I had no clue what I was doing. But I, I would describe it as a period of observing and absorbing, uh, not just the content that we've been discussing, but really just learning the process of how all of this works. You know, Greg, I know we were talking about this earlier this week that in med school, we don't really learn a ton about how healthcare works and how policies get made and that whole process. And so just learning what does it take from a brainstorming session with people to say, these are the needs of our community and how do we gather the people that we know have expertise in this area and how do we get enough people, people power to make it happen? How do we find the technology all the way through the steps of actually rolling out a program uh, with the Healthy Opportunities Pilot. Um, you know, I've gotten to sit in a lot of those meetings to really see the, the whole process from beginning of an idea of some of the other programs that are going on um, with the North Carolina Alliance, and then all the way through some other programs with Medicaid um, moving to managed care and seeing how our all of the individuals that are involved in that, how are they reflecting on how the rollout went? How are they continuing to evaluate what are the needs of the community? What are the needs of the people who are actually making sure that these programs are functioning optimally? And so just seeing all of that has really given me a new perspective on all that is involved in some of these programs, but also has given me some hope as to where, where physician leaders can really make such a big difference. And, you know, getting to see Dr. Shannon Dowler and all that she's been able to do with Medicaid and just seeing her role in a lot of different places across the last few weeks, you know, even just sitting in on a lot of these Zoom calls with different CMOs and policy committees has given me such a broad understanding of what, what not only NCAFP is doing, but what are the collaborations that are happening between a lot of these different organizations in North Carolina and, you know, just in the region in general. 
And then, of course, uh, a few weeks ago, and then again next week, we'll be heading down to the General Assembly, which was an experience all in of itself. <laughs> I had never stepped foot in any experience like that before. And, uh, you know, as a med student, I really hated the expression of drinking water from a fire hose because I think every single lecturer said that to us. And I just really developed this hate of that phrase. But it was it was true. I mean, even though the content was there was a lot of content presented on Medicaid expansion uh, and that was a lot in and of itself. But just seeing the process is so different um, and just really noticing how the connections that you make and the interactions and the friendships that people have made over the years, just how all of that contributes to making sure that our communities and our patients have all the resources that they need. Uh, that's uh, those are so many great points. Uh, I want to reflect on a couple of them. You know, when it's at the General Assembly, you know, you're a med student who has now four years of understanding of healthcare and medicine, and you felt like it was drinking from a fire hose. And there are very, very few healthcare professionals as elected officials in the General Assembly. And so they're having to take this without that background of being a med student. So if you think you were drinking from a fire hose, think about how some of the uh, our elected officials are drinking from fire hoses uh, on these issues. And because uh, they come from all walks of life and all backgrounds and uh, uh, end up maybe on a healthcare leadership role. And uh, right now we only have one physician, a psychiatrist in the General Assembly, and we need so many more. And one of the roles, I think, of uh, the NCFP and organized medicine is trying to put physicians in leadership positions. And you know, fortunately, we've really done that with Medicaid, with Dr. Dowler. We've done that with some of the uh, health plans, having their CMOs are really great to work with. And I think we get somewhat adversarial at times uh, and have to remember, you know, let's let's work together to solve problems rather than be adversarial. Uh, yes, sometimes a physician really gets irritated at an insurance company, but it's great that I have someone like Dr. Jeannie Comavez as the chief medical officer for WellCare's Medicaid plan in North Carolina, because she's lived the life of a family physician too, and I can talk to her and we can fuss a little bit, which is fine, but we can also work together. And I, I know you had a chance to talk to some folks on the insurance side too. What was that like? That was, I, I didn't know what to expect going into it uh, because, you know, in, in traditional healthcare, I feel like the insurance company, this, you know, mysterious giant blob that we call the insurance company is sometimes like it's the bad cop. Um, and it was just very enlightening to see all of the work that they are doing to really make sure that our patients and the providers taking care of those patients have what they need. And they realize it's a uphill battle constantly to balance, you know, resources and uh, people power and just navigating policy in general. But it was really exciting to hear kind of what they're doing, what their role is, who they have that they've assembled to work on certain projects, and also seeing how they're working with the, uh, with the academies within North Carolina and again in the region to listen to what's going on, listen to what, when are claims being denied? What are things that, you know, the um, pediatricians and family docs are seeing as denials that don't make sense? 
uh, you know, talking to the experts in their specific area saying this is what is required in order for this disease to be managed. There is no reason for this to not be covered. And really just having a conversation to make sure that the plans are staying up to date, even if they aren't seeing patients every day, but they're communicating with the people who are. And that was really enlightening for me. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I feel like you've gotten a little bit of everything while you've been here. You know, what's been one of the things that have surprised you the most during your rotation, either about our advocacy efforts or just about, you know, advocacy in general? You know, we talk a lot in family medicine about the breadth of scope and how we, you know, we, we family medicine uh, lovers like to do a lot of things. And so I, I really didn't realize how much NCAP did in terms of advocacy, not just in terms of the work, which is a lot, but also just the, there's so many different things that they work on, you know, our as a organization, I feel like our, our toes are in everything, you know, your ear is always to the ground to see how can we best help people? How can we connect these two problems that seem to have something in common? Can we bring in a person that knows a lot about this and then connect them with the person that's going to make the policy change? And so just seeing how everything just kind of seems to come together, especially with coordinating with the other professional societies. So with pediatrics and psychiatry and CCNC, that's been one of the, I think one of the special parts of this rotation has just, you know, I feel like we get siloed a lot. Uh, I feel like family medicine is less so, but in general, in specialties, I find that, you know, we get into our little silo and we only talk to the people that are in our silo. And it's been really great to see how we're able to combine forces, share what we're experts in, share what we're not comfortable with and really work together for the betterment of our patients and our community. And we, uh, we are very lucky to have really strong co colleagues, whether it's working with the state medical society or whether it's working, we really do a lot with the psychiatric association and the pediatric society in North Carolina. Uh, it seems like our three organizations face a lot of similar obstacles at times and uh, we can't all solve them all at once, and we can't always be in the uh, same place at the same time. Like tomorrow, there is a uh, meeting that I uh, uh, and Elizabeth, my counterpart with Pediatric Society, usually attend. She can't be there, and she just said, hey, Greg, can you make sure you cover for me? And we do a lot of that back and forth because there are a lot of governmental meetings to potentially attend. And if we don't work together, there's just no way we can uh, cover it all. And there's, you know, hey, I've been doing this job a while and I still feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose some days. And I'm like, I need to know more about this. Can somebody help me here? And uh, honestly, it's the connections that are so important. I, I you know, I, I like in policy to dealing with a complex chronic disease patient. You gotta have the connection and try a lot of different things and you've got to, you're not gonna fix everything overnight, you know? And so it's, that uh, I'm, I'm glad you've got to experience a little bit of everything. You know, as you're thinking about, you know, you're getting ready to start residency. We're really excited for you there. Uh, thinking post-residency, where do you see yourself, you know, maybe five years from now? and how do you think 
policy and advocacy might play a role in that five years from now? Well, I think the most certain thing is that I will still be involved in in CAP if that is ever a question for people. The first thing I would suggest they do, whether they are just coming to North Carolina, just coming into family medicine, is somehow connecting with NCAP. Um, That is a shameless plug. I do not get any credit for that. Um, but I, I know that Greg, you and I have talked a lot about my, um, excitement for value-based care, um, as well as just other unique models of care. And I think that really does pair well with my passion for lifestyle medicine and nutrition and behavior change, as well as I, you know, I love population health. I love looking at, you know, here, give me my patient panel who are all diabetic and everyone who's A1C is over eight and who hasn't been in to see me in the last three to six months. Let's get them in. Let's talk to them. So that's really where uh, that would be kind of my ideal job. We'll see what the, uh, what, what it looks like in, uh, you know, three and a half years from now. But I'm I'm excited to really watch what are the other what kind of other models of health are coming up. And I know coming up at Family Medicine Day, we're going to have a workshop on you know what are some other models of healthcare, and so just continuing to keep my ear to the ground and listening to see what other what other things are coming up that I could get involved with because I definitely have kind of that creative side where I like to be a part of new things that are happening. That's why I worked at a startup before coming to med school. But I, I definitely see myself working in a working in a place where I get to have those conversations with patients that are maybe more time intensive, um, but really do pay off in in the long run. I uh, really appreciate you uh, being with us today. Do you have any last comments for our listeners? Oh goodness, just last comments. I I don't think so. Other than just you know continue to be involved with NCAFP. If you're a student listening to this, uh, really consider coming to our annual conference. If you're a resident that hasn't gotten involved yet, uh, there's a lot of leadership opportunities which have made connections for me that I honestly can't imagine if I would be where I am right now if I hadn't made those connections several years ago. And uh, yeah, I just, I love family medicine and I'm excited to continue to talk to people about it. And we'll see where that leads us. Well, the future is in bright uh, uh, hands as long as we've got folks like you uh, going into family medicine. That's uh, we've been joined by the the soon to be Dr. Morgan Carnes, uh, who will be completing her medical degree from Wake Forest in May, and we look forward to great things as she goes throughout her career in residency the next three years and uh, much beyond that. Thanks for listening to the March edition of NCFM Today. You can find our podcast on the Apple or Google stores, on Spotify, or wherever you subscribe. You can also find it on our website at www.ncfp.com. We encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple or the Google store. Make sure you give us a five. We only want good vibes. So, until next month, this is Greg Griggs. Thanks for listening.